Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Embrace. So grateful to have you here this morning worshiping the Lord with us as part of the Embrace family. My name is Christina, and I'm one of our associate pastors here. If you are visiting with us this morning or new around here and haven't gotten connected yet, I would love to meet you. Hopefully, you'll get to meet some other faces this morning as well. Um, but I would love for you to fill out a Connect card, these beautiful blue cards in your pew. Um, and when you fill that out, that'll get to me, so I'll be the one to contact you. Um, but you can tell us if you want information about volunteering or if you'd like to meet with a pastor. You can also share your information and get on our email list, all those sorts of things this morning. You can also give prayer requests this morning by the Connect card. We believe in prayer around here. We believe we are called to bear one another's burdens and that the Lord hears us. And so if you've come this morning carrying something, if you're really either celebrating or carrying something heavy, just know that you don't have to do that alone. Um, we have a prayer team who is dedicated to lifting these requests up every week, and they keep them confidential, but they partner with you and, and help to carry those burdens. So you can fill out the prayer request on this card. And if you fill out the card or want to give an offering in person this morning, you can place either of those things in the box at the back or to the side door over here. You can also always give online at embraceyourcity.com give. And you can always email prayer requests any time of day to prayer at embraceyourcity.com. There were announcement handouts when you came in this morning, which means there's some when you go out too on the welcome tables. Make sure you grab that to check out what's going on here. Um, you can also find out this information by being on our email list. Um, and it'll tell you all the great things that are coming up and going on. I'll just quickly let you know that we are asking for some more help at the gathering. And there are so many different ways to get plugged in um, with different time frames for all those things. So check that out on the announcement sheet this morning. The gathering happens every Monday here. And it's one of the best things going on. So check it out if you're interested. Um, I also want to remind you that we have a stream of the service available across the hall in the cafe. So if you walk out this door, it's the room right across the hall. And the service will be streaming the whole time that we're in here. So if at any point in time you need to slip out, maybe you need a sensory break or just a little bit of space, um, feel free to do that this morning. That'll be going on the whole time. Um, and without any further ado, I will ask Layman to call us to worship together. All right. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? It's a good day to be here to worship together. I might just stand. Let's join in a call to worship to prepare our hearts and minds for what the Lord has for us this morning. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning.
Let's sing that again. Lift it up. Open the eyes of my heart. And open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your
We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's time now to find somebody near you to share your praises and laments, a special gift that we um, are able to share here at Embrace. So we will bring you back together to continue our worship shortly.
All right, as you're wrapping up your conversations, I invite you to stand together. Let's continue our worship time. stand together. Let's sing this old song, Give Me Jesus.
stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Y'all can have a seat. My name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to say welcome to all of you who came out to worship with us on this sunny uh, morning. A little bit cold out, but it's uh, nice and warm in here. Every Sunday, except the first Sunday of the month, we always have a children's ministry that we call the Wonder Room, and it's a great time for our kids to have their own time of learning and asking questions and engaging the stories in scripture, and this is for kids who are four years old all the way through fifth grade. If you're a parent and you brought a child in that age range with you this morning um, and you've never been to the Wonder Room before, then we ask that you walk with your child up there um, to meet the teachers and make sure you uh, have the right paperwork filled out. But I'll invite the kids uh, to come forward and the volunteers to go line up here at this door. Let's give them a hand as they make their way to the front. We are so grateful for all of our kids, and we got a crew this morning. It's great. We're very grateful for our volunteers as well. We have a full wonder room and a full nursery, and it is awesome and kind of crazy at our church sometimes, but it's great. I'm going to share with us just a couple of announcements this morning before we enter into our time of prayer. There's just two that I want to highlight today. And so I encourage y'all every week, if you don't get the email, 
And if you want the email, by the way, fill out a Connect card and put that on there. Put your email on there. And put it in the box over here by the door, and we'll make sure to get you on the email list. But if you don't get the emails um, or you just like paper, uh, pick up a paper copy of our announcements um, because there's uh, just important stuff on there. The first thing I want to mention is that this coming Sunday, not this one, but the next one, before church, we're going to start our book study, which is going to be um, based on this book by Henry Nowen, one of my favorite authors. It's a book called Reaching Out, and it's just a really um, powerful book that's going to generate, I think, some really good conversation for us around kind of how we uh, can kind of reach out to our inner self, how we can reach out to others, how we can reach out to God um, and continue to grow um, in this journey of faith that we're on. And so it's going to be an interactive uh, book discussion. The book materials will be part of it and be a springboard for what we do in our class. But in the class, we're also going to hear um, from folks in our community who are going to share a little bit about how the chapter impacted them and the concepts in the chapters. And then also we're going to have small group discussion as well. It should be a really fun time. But that's going to start next Sunday before church at 9 a.m. Um, on March 3rd. And the chapel, I believe, is probably where we'll do that. And that's the right as you come in this side door. So let me know if you have any questions. We do have some books here this morning, and we're just asking if you have $5 and are able to give that uh, to buy a book. If you cannot afford a book and you want one, you can have it for free. Um, we always have folks who even give extra to cover those um, for folks who can't afford one. But we have a few this morning, and we can try to order some others. Strangely enough, uh, we cannot find any new copies very easily online. Um, it's an older book, but it is still in print, I'm pretty sure. Um, but we were able to get some used copies, so if you have some highlights, then as Christina says, that you can just have a reading partner. Whoever read that book before you can be your reading partner as you read through their highlights, uh, as you read through the book. So we try to get decent quality ones, but you never know what to expect. Um, but we have those here this morning. If you would like one or if you've already told Christina you want one, then she can give those to you this morning. Our next announcement is just about our Monday night ministry called The Gathering. And we have been in need of a cook to help on the first Sunday of the month, or first Monday of the month um, to kind of take on that meal. And we're still looking for someone who could do that. But we're actually in need of help with lots of different things on Monday nights. Um, it continues to grow. This past Monday, we had a lot of people. Our elevator is actually not working right now. And we're in the process of figuring out what to do about that. But we had people in the cafe and downstairs, and we're running up and down the stairs. It worked, um, but there was a lot to do. And so we could really use some more folks to come that could help, um, even if it's just for an hour with cleanup or with setup or with food service. But it's all spelled out what we need in the announcements, and it's very clear. If you can just come for one of these shifts, huge help. Um, because that just means that our regular volunteers who are doing it every single week, um, often they're, you know, sometimes like Rick and I, we have to get up here and start the service, Christina as well sometimes, yet we're downstairs trying to clean up and run up here real quick to start church. Um, it can be a lot sometimes. And so to have some extra hands down here um, to help with what we do would be such a gift and a blessing. And it's also a way to help make sure everybody's got food um, and everybody gets to eat. And that's exactly what I'm talking about in my sermon this morning. It was coincidence, but uh, this is a way to live out the message this morning. So uh, not to put any pressure on you, but, you know, just listen to what God says. Um, I think God might speak to you. Who knows? Um, but if you have any questions, you can reach out to Christina about that. Her information is in here, um, her email, and you can also call the church office. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer. 
And uh, if anybody would like to kneel at the altar and pray, you're welcome to. Um, but I'm just going to let us start out by taking some silence. And then at the end, we'll close by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Let's just enter into a time of silence after we've let the kids go off to their own thing and get a little more quiet in the space with no music and just to enter into the quiet and be reminded that God is here with us this morning. If you're like me, this might be kind of the first moment today that you've just sat and breathed, just quiet. So let's just take advantage of this. Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. We acknowledge your presence, that you are already here in this space. You are already here in our hearts. You are already here in our bodies, moving throughout this room, encouraging us, challenging us, inspiring us, drawing us in to your presence, and we are grateful that you are here among us. God, I came this morning looking forward to this time, looking forward to being together. Many of us I know probably need this time. We need the encouragement of this community. We need the the encouragement of, of just the special kind of feeling we get when we're all together worshiping and singing and connecting. We need just a special touch from your presence today. And God, I just pray that we could experience that in the way we need this morning. And that we would leave here just feeling differently. Uh, we leave here looking more like Jesus. Lord, you are good, and when we struggle to see goodness around us, I pray that we could have eyes 
to see the way you do. That we could see the, the hard things, but we could also have eyes to see the hope as well. That we could have eyes to see the, the way that, that can be made through the wilderness. We are walking through a wilderness right now. As individuals and also as a community, as a global community, we are walking through a deep and profound wilderness right now. And God, I pray you would help us to have eyes to see the way through the wilderness, that we could see, God, the way that you will and are providing for us in the wilderness. And that, God, we could have faith, even as we have deep questions and doubts and fears and struggles. That you would help us to have faith, you would give us the gift of faith. That we would be okay with unanswered questions. That we would be okay with the doubts because we know, God, that we have a guide who is with us, guiding us through the uncertainty and the confusion and the darkness. We thank you, God, that you have provided for our spiritual ancestors that have come before us. We thank you, God, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses today who are spurring us on, cheering us on, helping us to stay on path, helping us to stay in the way of Jesus. And God, we pray we would be mindful of those folks who have come before us, who are even with us now. We thank you, God, for our young people this morning, our babies, our, our, our kids, our youth, who inspire us, who help us to see with fresh eyes, who help us to see the joy and the, the laughter and the, the ones who help us to, to cry and to dance, to mourn, and also to experience joy. We thank you for the gift that they are to us, and we pray we would always cherish them and protect them and care for them and do all we can, Lord, to make sure that they can thrive and have a world that is, is peaceable and, and have a community that is full of love and belonging for them. Lord, this morning, I, I want to pray over all those who are experiencing sickness today. So many folks are wrestling with, with just temporary illness, and many folks are dealing with long-term sickness and disease that is causing them lots of challenges. Many people are struggling through just having challenges that just make it hard to get up each day and continue to, to fight through life, and we just pray for extra courage and strength for them. We also pray for healing, that you would use all the tools that you have, God, to bring healing. Lord, we need you so much. And I just pray this morning that we would leave here encouraged, that, that we would leave here more okay with the questions and the doubts, and just that we would leave here with a stronger faith, a stronger faith that you're with us in the midst of all of it, and that we can get through it, that we can get over that hurdle in front of us, that we can face that challenge that we're dealing with, that we can continue to put one foot in front of the other, even when it feels really, really hard. Lord, we need you. Thank you for being our friend. And also thank you for being a powerful God who we can trust. It's going to make all this right one day.
Now we join together and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to continue in this series we've been in, in the Gospel of Mark. And we'll be doing this all the way until Easter. And then after that, I'm really excited what we're going to do. The plan is to actually spend the rest of the year in one book of the Bible, and that's the book of Acts. Okay, So we're going to be looking at all of Jesus' life and the apostles' life um, with Jesus, and then we're going to get into the book of Acts, and we're going to cover the entire book over the rest of the year, which I'm really excited about. If you don't like Acts, I'm so sorry. Uh, we'll try to make it really good for you. Um, but I'm excited about where we're going, but we're, we're still in Mark, and, and I've been really encouraged and challenged revisiting some of this material in Mark that we looked at quite a few years ago. I'm just going to be honest with you all, like, I had a really hard time preparing a sermon this week. It happens sometimes, um, and sometimes, like, the words and the things that I want to share, I just can't find them, and if you were around me at all this week, I maybe have told you that, that you're like, how you doing? I'm doing okay, trying to figure out what to preach this week. Um, I chose the text a few weeks ago, not realizing that I would have such a hard time coming up with words to say. Our text today is actually a very popular story in the Gospels. It's in all four, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all have a version of this story, and it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Y'all know this story? It's a very popular story. Uh, our friend uh, Caleb was a guest preacher here back in August, and he preached on this story. It's something that's been talked about many, many times. I remember uh, growing up at Paint Lick United Methodist Church in elementary school in Garrett County in rural Kentucky, and I remember learning this story in Sunday school at that church, and it was one we talked about probably every single year, uh, just because it's a really cool story. I remember thinking, man, like, this is such a cool story. Like, Jesus is like a magician, you know? He can just take five loaves of bread and two fish, and he can just magically turn it in to enough food to feed so many people. And, and I thought it was so awesome. Like, man, Jesus is, he's cool. He's powerful. He can do some really awesome things. And so I want to share with you why it's been hard for me this week, but um, I'm going to read the story first. And then I'll share a few thoughts with you. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. Words will be on the screen. You're welcome to open your Bibles if you want, or on your phone, whatever you want to do. I'm reading from the NIV. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Keep in mind, they had just been sent out in groups of two to go out into the villages and towns and continue to do the work of the gospel. They came back to report to Jesus all they had experienced. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, hey, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. See that withdrawal? They were engaged. Now they need to pull away. 
So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go by the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. He said to them, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread to give them something to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. They didn't find a lot. <laughs> then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute them to all the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Now they all ate, and they all were satisfied. <coughs> and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. <coughs> so I'm just going to be straight with you all. I've always wanted to see a miracle like this one. I remember thinking as a young Christian, if I could just see something like this happen, then I would have no doubts about the existence of God. Like, I could believe, I would have faith, I mean, I would give everything if I could just see a miracle like this, something so big and so powerful. But here's the deal, I've never seen a miracle like this. I don't know if you all have, if you have, that's amazing, I'd love to hear the story. But I've never seen thousands upon thousands of hungry people get fed by such a tiny amount of food. I've never seen God provide in such a big and powerful and over-the-top way like that. Many of you maybe are like me. I've been following this siege, this war on Gaza over the past few months. And currently, as I've, as right now, as things stand, it's in a really, really bad place. There are well over one million people, think about that number, who are living in just the most southern part of Gaza in a town called Rafah. Every day, every single person has to wake up, and their first goal is, I have to find food and water. And they just go out searching for food, because they're starving, and they cannot find food. There's they're not even allowing much humanitarian aid in right now. Literally, people are calling, can you please send planes and drop food on Gaza because they're so hungry. They are starving, and there's so little food to feed the thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are there right now. I was listening to a song um, on this album this guy named John Guerra wrote called Nazareth a few weeks ago. And one of the lyrics in this song hit me I'd say like a ton of bricks. Uh, it just hit me hard. He said, why don't the bombs obey you like the storms of Galilee do? 
Now, for me, um, when I heard this, I realized this is one of the places where my faith has been struggling lately. (laughs) Because I've witnessed tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy in this world. And right here in our own neighborhood, in my own life, I've had tragedy. And I've wondered where God's saving power is in all the suffering. Has anybody felt the same way? This lyric is a lament. You know, basically what he's saying here, the way I read it, is we read about all these life-saving miracles in the Bible, yet we really need some help right now. Where are the miracles? We read in the Gospels about Jesus calming the storms, literally telling the wind and the waves to be calm and to be still, yet the bombs still fall. And I'd love for Jesus to point at the bomb and say, no, you're going to turn around and go the other way. And so it's something that's just been hard for me to wrestle with. Today we read about Jesus feeding lots of really hungry people. And the question I can't get out of my head is why aren't the Palestinians in Gaza being fed like the hungry crowds in Galilee? Now I think that's why I've been struggling this week with this story. And that's why I've been struggling a lot with these miracles and healing stories and all these things because I want to see more of that now because so many people are struggling. Now, I'm telling you, these are deep, hard questions for which I have no answers. So I'm not going to answer that question today. But I'm trying to be more okay with the unanswered questions. Sometimes I think we're afraid to ask these kinds of questions. We're afraid to even speak it because we're afraid if we say it, then our faith might be racked or or our faith could be shattered. But I think we're all having these kinds of doubts and questions within us, right? Am I wrong? Does anybody else think these kinds of things? I don't want to avoid the tension that I feel inside as I read Scripture and I try to reconcile it with what we're experiencing today in our world. This is what doing theology is, really. It's wrestling in that tension. It's saying, hey, we read this ancient text. How do we wrestle with these stories now, even looking at the most immense suffering and pain that we experience in our world? And I'm just not going to give trite or easy answers anymore to complex problems dealing with human suffering and pain. We have a problem sometimes as Christians. We want to give really simple and easy answers to incredibly complex problems. Say, Just have faith. It's, It's easier said than done sometimes, right? So I think we have to. And one thing we try to do at Embrace is we try to stay in that tension and be okay talking about it because I think we're all having these kinds of questions. And so as we continue to wrestle with Scripture this year and as we read Mark and then as we get into Acts, we're going to encounter lots of miracles, actually. And I want to name that tension that I'm feeling. And I imagine that some of you might be feeling also in your own body and spirit and mind as we wrestle through this stuff. You know, the past few weeks, we've tried to pay special attention to what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And the New Testament teaches us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. There's actually, in in one of the letters, Paul talks about this, that Jesus is the image, what God looks like in flesh and bone. That the fullness of God actually dwelled in Jesus. And so this means that Jesus reveals to us what God is like, what God desires. He shows us God's very own heart. And as we read stories about miraculous events, about mass feedings, about healings, about resurrections, one question that I think we should ask is what does this story 
tell us about God? What is Jesus trying to show us through this particular miracle? You know, miracles are often called signs in the Gospels. And I think a sign is in some ways maybe a better way to talk about this. Because a sign, in my mind, is pointing to something beyond itself. If you see a sign on the road, it may say there's a city there. The city's not in the sign. It's pointing to where you need to go. It's pointing to something beyond itself. And so the sign or the miracle, I believe, is trying to teach us and show us something about who God really is, the essence of this God that we worship. Maybe one reason Jesus performed these miracles was to get people's attention, because it certainly did, it gets our attention even today, to reveal something deeper and profound about God so that we can grow in our understanding of who God is and what the kingdom of God is all about. You know, I think sometimes we have a a knack to get all wrapped up in the power or the spectacle of a miracle. Like, wow, Jesus did that. That's awesome. He's the best. Go, Jesus. While we miss the underlying message of what the miracle is trying to teach us. And for our text today, what happens in this miracle, for me as a kid, I was just like, Jesus fed a bunch of people. That's awesome. But I lost track of the fact that hungry people were fed in this story. That the hunger pangs these people were experiencing were literally satisfied and everyone went home full with enough that day. You know, one way to think about Jesus' actions in the gospel, and we talked about this last week, is that he's performing the kingdom of God. Through his actions, he's showing us what the kingdom of God is all about. He's putting on this this presentation through the way he lived in his own body of what the kingdom of God is all about. What life under the rule and reign of God is supposed to look like. And if that's the case, then maybe the miracles are meant to show us something about God's kingdom. You know, last week we read a story about Jesus healing a woman who had had this flow of blood for 12 long, painful years. And, and since she was experiencing this, she was actually had to be quarantined and could not go around people because she was considered to be unclean. And her healing from Jesus meant she didn't have to quarantine any longer and she could be restored back to community. Now, that was a gift to her, right? But this also points to something deeper about God and about the kingdom of God. What does it show about the kingdom of God? Well, maybe in God's kingdom, people shouldn't be excluded or treated as inferior or unclean but instead should be accepted and welcomed and treated with dignity in people who are worthy of love and belonging. And like all other healings, I think the healing miracles should challenge us and show us that in the kingdom of God, sick people should be well cared for. They should receive really good health care and be nurtured back to full health, if at all possible. In our story for today, the miracle involves feeding really hungry people. Jesus was in a remote place with 5,000 hungry families. Now, that number could be more symbolic than precise. We don't know if it's exactly that amount of people. But it's clear, the text is showing us that there's a lot of people who were out there in the wilderness that day following after Jesus. I imagine there were children, there were elderly folks, there were able-bodied people, there were disabled people, there were men, there were women. In a group that size, you're going to have a diversity of all types of people all across the spectrum of life. And through this feeding miracle, Jesus made sure that every last one of them had enough to eat. 
and that all of them were fed. The text tells us that all ate and all were satisfied. No one had too much and no one had too little. And they actually had leftovers. Such a beautiful picture. This should remind us of another miracle that's recorded in the book of Exodus. When the Israelites left Egypt, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. When they got to the wilderness, they quickly ran out of food. When we talk about wilderness, we're not talking about forests with lots of trees and shade. We're talking about desert is what they were walking through. Not a lot of food, not a lot of life growing there. They needed to survive. They were starving and needed to eat. And what God did is God provided manna and quail every single day so that they could survive. And he had rules set up where no one could collect more than they needed for one day. I imagine some of the folks were younger and had more energy and they could go out and collect some for the community and share it with the people who maybe couldn't get out and collect it. But regardless, everybody got to eat every single day. No one got to keep any extra. No one had too much. No one had too little. They all ate and all were satisfied. What does this miracle tell us about the kingdom of God? What does this sign from Jesus tell us about God's heart? Well, maybe the kingdom of, in the kingdom of God, food is meant to be shared in community, and everyone should be able to eat. One of Paul's main concerns, actually, in the early church, and you read about it in his letters, if you pay attention, you'll see that food is brought up a lot in Paul's letters. And one of Paul's major concerns was the distribution of food in the early church community. And he always challenged them. In the letter to the Corinthians, he talks about this. He challenges them to make sure that everybody has enough. Because there was a problem where some folks were coming to the meals and didn't have food, and they weren't actually getting to eat. And Paul's like, no, never. Never do that in your church community. Everybody should get something to eat. Everybody gets a seat at the table. Everybody ought to be satisfied and cared for. And the early church sought to live this out, and they got it right sometimes, and clearly they got it wrong sometimes, or Paul wouldn't have had to talk about it quite so much. There was a problem we talked about in Romans where they were showing up, and, and, and the church had become run by the Gentiles, and they had all this pork on the table, and the Jews wouldn't eat. And so they would go away hungry. And these were poor Jews who didn't have enough to eat. And so Paul's like, no, stop serving pork so that everybody can get enough food. Because nobody should go away hungry from your gatherings. Another unique aspect of this miracle. So we have this idea that everybody gets to eat. But something in this miracle that's really profound and unique really to this story, it happens in other places, but this is a unique part of this parable, or this uh, miracle I mean is that the disciples are actually included in making this miracle happen. That it wasn't Jesus just doing it, the disciples were invited to do it. They were in a remote location, food was not easily accessible. The disciples looked out and they saw this really large group of hungry people. Maybe they got nervous thinking a hungry crowd of people could get upset, this could be bad for us. Maybe they just were compassionate for them, who knows. Maybe they just wanted to send them away because they didn't want to deal with them. But they grew anxious wondering how everybody was going to get food. And so they suggested that Jesus just dismiss everybody and let them go find their own food in the surrounding villages and towns. But then Jesus looked at his disciples because he had other plans and he says, hey, no, actually, I want you to feed all the people. And they're probably like, huh? Like, what are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? You want us to feed them? Like, there are a lot of people here, and we do not have the money 
to buy all of them food. And even if we did, that might be a waste of our money, right? They're, they're not wanting to do this. And Jesus says, what, what food do you have? And they're probably thinking, Jesus, nobody got food out here. What are you talking about? We don't have any food. There are a lot of people here. And so they went out, and he says, go look and see. And they come back, and they have a tiny amount of food. They have, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish. That's enough to feed maybe a little family. And that's all they had for 5,000 families. And so then Jesus said, well, give it to me. He breaks the bread and ends up telling them, divide everybody in groups. And here's how I want you to distribute it. And they end up having enough food so that everyone had enough and there were even leftovers. You know, this, this part of the story is, is really exciting and cool, but also terrifying to me. It's pretty cool that Jesus wanted to include his disciples in this miracle of making sure everyone was fed. fed. But it's also kind of scary because he was asking the disciples to do something that probably terrified them. And they thought, there's no way we have the capability of doing this and ensuring everybody has enough. You know, theoretically, Jesus could have just fed everyone himself. I mean, he was Jesus after all. He could have just uh, made food appear in front of every little family there, and they all would have had their food to eat, and he would have been praised, you know, as the provider, and they would have all been satisfied. However, Jesus chose to partner with his disciples to ensure that all the people were fed. We don't know exactly how this feeding happened. We don't know where the food came from. We don't know how it was distributed exactly. But we do know that Jesus invited his disciples to participate in this important work of feeding hungry people. And they also got to witness to the joy of getting good and full, sharing a tasty meal with their their people. I mean, it's such a beautiful story. Jesus chose to partner with his disciples. We've been... We talk about how we are commissioned by God. I love this idea. Christina's drawn this out that we are in a co-mission. You know, if you think about the word commission, we are in a co-mission with God in this world. We have been invited to partner with God in his work in the world. And we see this all throughout Mark. Jesus repeatedly invites his disciples to take part in his work of love and healing and redemption. Over and over and over again. Even as the disciples mess up, Next week, Christina's going to talk about how they fail to understand over and over and over again. He still invites them. Hey, come and work with me. I want you to help me out in what we're doing here in the world. I don't know if y'all remember when Jesus was with Peter after the resurrection in the Gospel of John. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I love you. And you remember what he says after that? He says, feed my sheep. Now, we, we tend to over-spiritualize everything in Scripture, you know, um, which is great. There's a spiritual component to that. Feeding people, nourishing people is not just with actual food. But I wonder if Jesus might have been also telling Peter, hey, make sure everybody's got enough to eat because nobody should have to be hungry. In a place like Lexington, Kentucky, in the position that I have, I never have to think about being hungry. But there are people who do. And there are people all across the world, and certainly in Jesus' time, that had to think every single day, how are we going to eat? They lived in a desert, basically, and so there were only few places where they could grow a lot. If it didn't rain, they didn't have food to eat. So Jesus, I think, is telling Peter, y'all need to make sure everybody eats, that everybody is fed, that everybody is cared for. And then he invited his disciples to join him in his work and continue that work on after he ascended up into heaven. And we see it all throughout the Gospel of Acts as well. Jesus performed the kingdom of God through the way he lived. 
And as Jesus' followers, I believe we are now invited to continue that work, that we continue to perform the kingdom of God by the way we live and work together right now in our world. We do the work of the kingdom now. In the kingdom of God, everybody eats and everybody has enough. So now we do our best through the Spirit working through us and leading us to ensure that everybody eats and everybody has enough. You know, we talk a lot here at Embrace that we're about how we kind of are living in between the times. That Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom of God and initiated this, this process of redemption, but it hasn't come in its fullness. We're in the already, but also the not yet. And we long for that day for Jesus to return, and we pray for that day when he'll return and set things right. And the big question is always, really, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we wait? What do we do right now as we're waiting for Christ to return? Some people argue, well, we don't have to do much. We just pray and we worship and we sing and we gather and we wait for Jesus to get it all right one day. Now, I don't know if the, gospels, the Bible teaches that. The Bible seems to teach that, no, we actually do the work of Jesus now while we wait for Jesus to return. N.T. Wright I love, I encountered this a while back. Some of us went to hear him at a chapel service at Asbury uh, a few years ago during the pandemic. But he came and he, he preached on this message of new creation. And new creation is basically what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the new creation. And he says, now the church is the pilot project of the new creation. And so we're basically trying to live out the new creation now as we live in this world where the old way still is here among us. And we're waiting for the new creation to come. But now we are like living it out now. We are trying to witness to the kingdom of God now in the way we live and work together. And so we can imagine, what does life under God's reign look like? Okay, well, let's as a church try to work towards that in the way we love and care for one another, the way we witness to this community, the way we reach out to others, the way we feed people even. Right now, we do it. You know, I... I cannot begin to even attempt to explain the immense suffering and starvation across our world. And, and if I tried to, I would fail miserably because there's no good explanation for all this. There's all the philosophical theories and stuff we can talk about with the fall and all this different stuff, and, and, and all that matters. But the reality is people are suffering, and God is a good God, and we try to reconcile that, and it's hard. It's hard. But I'm going to stay in that tension because I still believe in a good God. And I'm still going to continue to reach out to a good God. And even in my doubt and confusion, I continue today even to pray for miracles. That God will act in mighty ways to feed the hungry and release the captive and bring peace to places of violence and oppression. And I'll continue to pray for it. And I hope you all do as well. Though I don't believe I can just sit on my hands and pray for miracles. Like, I wonder if God might be calling us, the church, to also, in a sense, be the miracle, right? To be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world today, bringing healing and peace and satisfaction and full bellies to people in our community. I believe that God has called me, and I do believe God has called you and really all of humanity, to be fully human, to be people who work with God, to see our world restored and redeemed, to ensure that everybody eats and that everybody is satisfied. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to share communion today.
And every week we come and we, we share this bread and this juice. And Mondays is really neat because on Mondays we share a meal downstairs, like a, a full meal. And we fill up our bellies and we feel good. And then we come up here and we eat the bread and juice. Communion seems sometimes a little tiny piece of bread, a little juice. It doesn't fill us up, obviously. We need more than this. But it's pointing to what God is really about. It's pointing to a God who loves us and wants to provide for us and wants to make sure everybody has enough. We're going to sing a song here in a minute about um, God as, as Jehovah Jireh, which is a, basically this term for God that means the Lord will provide. And I still am, am trusting and, and trying to hold on to faith in a God who does want to provide for us. And I believe one of the main ways God provides for us is through one another, that God wants to work through us to provide for the needs and the, the, the things that people are going through right here in our own community and, and even across the world. And so as we share communion, I want you all to just think about the fact that God loves you and wants to provide for you and cares for you, wants to ensure you have what you need. But God also is calling us to join him in that redemptive work of provision and providing for those in our communities, in our circles of influence that we can actually care for and provide for. If y'all bow your heads with me just for a moment. With your eyes closed, I just want to remind you of something that we've talked about before. That the gospel is, is a gift. It's given to us. The gospel is this gift of love and grace and provision for us. But it's also a calling. It is a gift that we get to just enjoy, but it's also a calling on our lives. That we receive, therefore we turn around and we share that gift with others. So God has provided for me and I seek to provide for others. It's this never-ending cycle. God fills us up and we pour out for others. So as we share communion this morning, as God is filling you up in this profound spiritual way, just know that God is also calling you to go and fill others up, spiritually and emotionally, but also physically, to ensure that people have enough to do what you can to take your resources and the gifts you have to share with others and to take part in this redemptive work that Jesus started so long ago. We thank you for all those who have come before us, who have done this work faithfully, made sacrifices for others, and found joy in sharing together, and we pray we could also do the same. God, we pray you pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and juice, these simple things, yet I pray that they would become something extraordinary for us this morning, something that fills us up, that, that God, this, this small thing would be for us something that truly does change us and nourishes us for this journey of life. Help us, God, to have courage to sit with the tension and to pray for, for your action and your power and to also at the same time be working alongside you, Lord, to to bring your power and your love and your gifts to the world. Lord, we need you so much, and we pray you would meet us now. We confess to you that we have failed in so many ways, that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We failed to love our neighbor as ourself. God, we ask that you would forgive us. Not only that, but empower us to go from here and, and try to live a little differently, to continue to be molded and shaped into the image of Jesus. 
We need you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up. We take communion here at Embrace, but you'll form two lines down the center aisle. As you come forward, have your hands open to receive the bread. Your server will tear off a piece of bread for you. They'll dip it in the cup for you, and then they'll place it in your hand. We have Kleenex if you need that at the end of the altars. Um, We also have prepackaged elements in the back if you need those. Um, You can go to the back and grab that if you prefer not to be in the, the crowd of people. And we also have gluten-free options, both in the back and the front. Just ask your server if you need the gluten-free option. Let me prepare this, and I'll invite you up in just a moment. Everybody is invited to come as you feel led. Everybody is welcome. You don't have to be part of our church. You don't have to have it all figured out. If you want to know God more, then I believe his arms are open to you. If you'd like prayer, um, Rick is in the back and would love to pray with you back there if you need it. Um, I'm also up here. If you're wrestling with any questions or anything in your own heart or spirit, God's moving in your heart in some way, I'd love to talk to you about that. But you're invited to come whenever you feel led.
you all to, uh, looks like you're already standing, so that's good. You don't have to invite that. Um, one reason we stand together in church is uh, it's an image of the fact that we ought to stand together uh, throughout our weeks. And so I heard someone say once we stand together because we stand together. And so hopefully you can look around and see that you've got these people here to walk this journey of faith with you. If you ever have any questions, anything we talk about here that you want to wrestle with or talk through with a pastor, um, with me, anything I ever say you want to talk to me about, if you even disagree and you think what, I, what you said is crazy, I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, I love it. So um, please set up a, a time to get together with us, and we'd love to, to speak with you and encourage you. If you need support in any way, we'd love to do that. Um, it's one of my, I know that I can speak for the pastoral team here. It's one of our favorite things we do, It's being able to hang out with you all. So um, if you all prepare your hearts, receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. If you need a book, come talk to Christina.